You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Our ESPN Radio Team Talk 1017 The Team taking you up until 7 o'clock tonight. Later on tonight, 8 o'clock, Nuggets in Portland to play the Trailblazers. Flurry to start the post All Star break, run to the finish last night. Nuggets with a buck 30 on the Wizards. Play the Portland Trailblazers tonight, having 48 8 o'clock here on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. If you miss any segments throughout the day, Always archived on 1017theteam.com on our Team Talk podcast page. Top five is always up there. Other segments throughout the course of the show. And one of the things that you can find if you if you listen back to yesterday's top five or if you haven't yet, but you're going to do it here soon, or if you weren't thinking about it at all, but you might want to go back because we, we brought this up yesterday. One of the stories we had yesterday in top five was a report, and this is... One person's reporting that has not been substantiated by anybody from NFL Network or Adam Schefter, but it's one person's local reporting. And if it's 100% true, if it's 50% true, I want it to be true, so we're going forward with it. If it ends up being not true, then we'll bring up that somebody found out that it's not, but I'm rolling with it because I want it to be true, and that's all that matters around here. There was a report out of Philly from a guy named Derek Gunn, been covering sports in Philly for almost 30 years now, S- covers the Eagles in, uh, closely. He works at, at one of the big sports talkers up there. And he had this report earlier this week that part of what led to the demise of the Philadelphia Eagles going from 10-1 and and on top of the world trying to get back to the Super Bowl to getting blown out by the 49ers, Seth Joyner saying that they were frauds and they were never that good, losing badly to the Cowboys, and oh yeah, see, I told you they were frauds, this team stinks, to bad losses at the end of the regular season, and our our, our friends at the Eagles post-game radio show talking about you know worst losses in Philly history, and this person should be fired, and what is this team even good at? It was... An actual, it, w- it was an actual supernova. This big glowing star that got too hot and collapsed in on itself, going from ten and one to not being competitive in the wild card round of the playoffs. And the reporting that came out of that, and th- this report from Derek Gunn was that when Big Dom DeSandro, the Eagles' head of security, he got suspended from the sidelines for the rest of the year after that Eagles Niners game when he got into it with with Dre Greenlaw. What the hell's going on out here? And really, I, I mean, th- there is a degree of kind of feeling bad about that situation because Drain Greenlaw punched him. He's kind of he's trying to play peacemaker as head of security and kind of just got mixed up in all of that and ended up getting suspended from the sidelines for the rest of the year. So the report was that without Dom on the sidelines, Nick Sirianni had nobody, the Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni had nobody to temper his emotions because apparently that's what one of the things that, that Dom actually did on game days was when Nick Sirianni would get heart, would get hot because Nick Sirianni is an actual living cartoon character, apparently Big Dom would be there to control his emotions. So without Dom, 
Nick Sirianni's reportedly getting into arguments in the middle of games with players, with guys on his staff, and the Eagles go 1-6 over their last seven games because, again, the man is an actual cartoon character. Like the way that I describe Nick Sirianni, he when when you're ten and one, when you're the defending NFC champions, when you have two weeks between the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl to h- hype up your team, there may not be anybody in the NFL that you would want more than Nick Sirianni, because he will go on top of a mountain and yell in your face how good his team is and how exciting it is to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. But what we saw at the end of the season was when things started going south, he had no idea how to turn it around. And that was something we could just see from the outside without needing anybody's reporting on anything. He had no answers for how to actually dig deep inside himself and find some leadership skills to turn that around. And now we get this reporting that at least part of that was because he didn't have his beloved big Dom next to him to control his emotions over the course of a game. It seems absurd. It seems like there's no way it can be true for that to be the case for an NFL head coach. But at the same time, I can also believe it. Because of what I just laid out about Nick Sirianni. He's a caricature. He's a great rep for your team when everything's going great. But when you're you're not losing anymore, the man whose introductory press conference was a word salad was as lost as everybody else was. And I would pay money out of my pocket. I would I would skip lunch on Monday and give that money to our friends who do that Eagles postgame show and listen to them for 10 minutes just shoot flamethrowers all over the place about what a doof Nick Sirianni is. So there is an element, you know, for for Cowboy fans who are uneasy this offseason, there is an element of it could always be worse. I I mean, not not that there's any glowing praise going on within Cowboy fan circles necessarily either, but at least your your coach isn't a cartoon and getting in fights with his own coaching staff during games because he can't control his emotions. We did for, on Mondays during NFL season, we we would do our red and green report going back from the NFL weekend, highlighting the the good, the bad, the everything in between. Red was bad, green was good. If we were doing one for an entire season, without anybody else backing up that report, I would already be give it, ready give it to Nick Sirianni for that because there's no way it could be true, but at the same time, it could, I could absolutely believe it. Green would be going towards the green that everybody gets to spend now. News coming down today from the NFL that the sal- that the salary cap is being raised by $30 million from last season, from what it was last season, and about $15 million more than teams were preparing for. According to reports, teams were expecting it to be somewhere in the range of $240 to $245 million. It ends up being $255 million dollars because of how much success the NFL had with its new media rights deals with Peacock with with Amazon Prime with the most watched Super Bowl ever by a lot it's extra money coming in that that they weren't necessarily anticipating 
but it's it's good for everybody, especially because I mean we've been talking a, a lot this week about what a unique offseason this is ahead in the NFL, where so many star players around the league, including guys who played in the NFC Championship games for the forty not for for the in the conference championship games for the Niners, for the Ravens, for for the Chiefs, these teams that were in conference championship Sunday. They're on this list too. A lot of high, par- high, highly, ta- highly sought after free agents. Now it's not going to be a spending spree by any means, but this opens the door even a little bit more for teams to take a chance on a guy like if, if you know if, if there was a team that was thinking, man, like I feel like we're one piece away. We just don't have the cap flexibility right now. They might still not, depending on how expensive that player is. But there's also a chance that if they're that if they're worth their weight as front office executives and people who are tasked with figuring out the cap, that they'll find ways to to work around that there's more room to maneuver with, either for somebody that you want to try to keep or somebody that you want to try and go get. So I mean, normally, kind of kind of like the salary cap, we have an expectation, we have a thought of what might happen. Going into an offseason, and then, and then it usually ends up being very different. And I'm not trying to suggest that there's going to be a hundred splash signings this offseason, but there's a lot of free agents out there that now get to play a little bit of their game as well. Like, I have to imagine that a guy like Chris Jones, that there's going to be a bidding war for Chris Jones. And if there wasn't before, maybe even another team or two in the mix now. Looking at you, all in, all in, pushing the chips to the middle of the table, Jerry Jones. Now's your chance. We always have this vision that if there was no salary cap in the NFL, Jerry Jones would have more Super Bowls than he has, would have more rings than he has fingers because he would just use his all time wealth and buy teams. It doesn't seem like, in in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like a huge jump. But this is going to be consequential. Even more so than, than as we were talking about this yesterday. This is a new piece of information that came out this morning, and it really just adds credence to what what we've been talking about the last couple of days. But really, it makes it even more of a reality now. And one possible option... That I, I, I I'm not quite sure how I feel about this one. One possible option coming from ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum. This is from this morning on Get Up on ESPN Television with Jeff Darlington, Dan Graziano, and Mike Tannenbaum, all three NFL insiders. This was going to be the saturated market in 2024. There was no reason to pay running backs last year, and it's going to get even more difficult this year. So if you're the Giants, I don't think you look at Saquon Barkley and say, yeah, he's he's now earned even more than we were going to give him last year. It's, to me, not going to get done. The Giants should simply not tag him, look elsewhere, and see ultimately how this running back market flushes out. Yeah, I mean, obviously we remember last year the running back market was a big story, and it sounds like it will be again, and not in the way yeah. that the running backs wish it would. So look, if he is a free agent... Uh, which, which team out there, like if you were a team out there, like who would, you, who would be excited about bringing in Saquon Barkley? Who should pursue him? Graz, this one's easy. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Pollard was mildly disappointing 
replacing Zeke Elliott. His production went down by about 25%, as Hembo reminded me. So when you're looking at free agency, the first thing you do is say, if we're going to go outside our building, who can we get in the division to help us and hurt our opponent? And trust me, the last thing the New York Giants want to see if Saquon Barkley graduates this year is him with a star on the side of his helmet. Could you imagine the first time Dallas rolls into town with Saquon as a cowboy? And he would be perfect because he can catch, he could run. I think his pass protection has actually gotten better. And based on the way Tony Pollard play, I actually think he would improve that position for the 2024 Cowboys. And I agree wholeheartedly with everything Mike T is saying right there. Tony Pollard... Again, not reporting anything, but Tony Tony Pollard's not going to be a Cowboy in, in 2024. I just don't see any way that it happens at this point because if they were going to sign him to a contract in the first place, they would have done that last year, presumably, instead of giving him the franchise tag. They're not going to give him the franchise tag again because that number is going to get even more expensive. He was eleven million or 10 or 11 guaranteed last year. It's going to be even higher now. Even with the salary cap going up, you're not going to spend that much on a guy in Tony Pollard, and and that was, if you were, then you're going into last year saying, okay, this is a show-me-something year, and it's not all Tony Pollard's fault why his season went the way that it did, but you just didn't see enough to spend the amount of money that would be required to bring him back. Now, at the same time, right now, Rico Dowdle is your starting running back, so the Cowboys are in between a rock and a hard place right now as far as where they're going to go with running back. And running back would e- wouldn't even be the position. Like if, if we were to rank this in order of the position the Cowboys need to address the most, running back would not be at the top of the list. It's on the list, but it's not at the top of the list. So as, as fun as it would be for to, for to have a guy like Saquon Barkley, because as long as he's healthy, which he showed last year, that he could be the uh, finally a, a durable running back even as he gets up there, in age relative to how we view these these running backs, you would still need some kind of team friendly deal to get Saquon Barkley, where you're where you're you're selling him on. You have a better chance to win something here than you do with the Giants, which I mean that one's hard to argue. But at the end of the day, no matter what the Cowboys do, I, I mean that they. It, it's paramount that they do something with this opportunity now with this cap money. They still need to play around with some other guys they have now. And so much of this, as far as what they can and are going to be able to do, starts with Dak Prescott's contract this offseason. If we're playing fantasy football, Tony uh, Saquon Barkley and the Cowboys would be great. He seems like the kind of guy that would be perfect for what we at least got the sense of what Mike McCarthy's Texas Ghost offense was supposed to be. It seemed like ideally you would have a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well as as run as well. And Saquon's probably a little bit better between the tackles compared to Tony Pollard as well. It, it, it would make a good load of sense. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot more that you have to figure out as far as other positions go. And, and, also, and really, none of this matters until... The Cowboys get figured out the things that we don't see from the outside. The things that they work on every day when they actually come to work. Like This is going to be a time when you actually have to imagine people who play football. We see them them one day a week on Sundays when they play the game. Everything that they've been working on all week, they put it out on the field on Sunday. This is going to be an offseason when we're actually going to have to care about 
these guys on a on a weekday morning getting up, getting out of bed, going to work, and actually putting in the work that they're going to do in the offseason. That's players, that's coaches, for actually establishing a winning culture. Because there's not one in that building right now, and until that happens, no matter who they bring in, it's not going to make that much of a difference. you got to marry those two together. Because if the Cowboys don't do anything, they're going to, deservedly so, they're going to get crushed for it. But even past that, that the work is not done. If they get a splash higher in the off, if splash signing in the offseason, the work is not done. The work's just getting started to establishing a winning culture and whatever's been happening in the past is no longer acceptable. And if that's how you want to do it, get out. Step by step, the first step being, hey, Saquon Barkley would be a lot of fun wearing that star on the side of his helmet. It's Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017, the team. Sam Hauser here, just a couple more minutes to go. Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers at 8 o'clock tonight, a little over an hour from now, but we'll come back, wrap things up for your week next.